If you're not innovating, you're doing the opposite of innovating, which means you have just a period of time before your company or your idea ceases to exist. to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 162nd episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series and I'm excited to welcome Matt Maxey to the show. Matt is the head of innovation at Synovus, a large southern regional bank with Hubble beginnings dating back to a Georgia textile mill and a simple act of kindness. Welcome to the show, Matt. It is so good to have you on today, buddy. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. It is. It's already been a lot of fun. And and what we were doing in the, in the quote unquote, in the green room, we were, we were hitting on some really important subjects around innovation and ethics and philosophy and humanity as a, as a whole, before we get in there, I always like to start off on a positive note. What's good in your world personally, professionally, it's always your pick. Yeah. So, um, I'm a, father of four children, um, ages seven to 16, and I'm very involved in, in their lives. Um, married to my wonderful wife, Catherine, and we, we live in um, middle Georgia, lived in Georgia pretty much my whole life, and, and I, I love doing things with my family. Um, I have a daughter who's a swimmer. I've got a couple sons who love soccer, which was my sport, and have a kind of a shared love across the whole family um, in fishing. And so we try to do fishing trips. We have a lake in our neighborhood and we try to get out there on the weekends, but I always try to do like a big fishing trip with at least my boys once a year, whether that's down in the Gulf of Mexico or in a river somewhere next year, we're going out West. Um, we're going to hit up Montana and and fish on a river out there. So I would say fishing, soccer and, and family for sure. Well, you know, when you get out to to Montana, you definitely need need to hit up uh, Renee Newman. Uh, she's out in Montana right now, um, and uh, when you're down here fishing on the Gulf Coast, if you ever make it down uh, to, to to Texas, the Houston area, let me know, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll take care of you. Okay, definitely will. That sounds great. Well, you know, it's 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 so good. I think you know, you and I, we had an opportunity to meet IRL in real life. Uh, a, a while back um, at an event, which was, which was a lot of fun just and, and meet a lot of people. I mean, it was kind of like the first time I think many of us were back in, in the real world. And from that, you know, looking at, at, at taking this conversation around innovation, you're, you, you are the head of innovation. And I know that many financial brands don't have a specific role like that. So for context, for the dear listener, what, what exactly does that mean? Head of innovation. What do you do? That's, that's a really good question. And I'll, I'll give you a kind of a funny answer and then a serious answer. The funny answer is I'm, I'm 11 months in, we, we created this role um, at the first part of the year and um, I'm still figuring it out in, in all honesty. Um, there, there's a lot of collaboration going on across our company and 
you know, the, the serious part of that answer is, you know, my job is, is really to do two primary things. It, it's to help our organization see differently and therefore think differently um, and then do differently. And I'll, I'll probably repeat that a few different times throughout our conversation today, but, um, and, and provide some examples, but, you know, seeing differently, like getting beyond the, the mental framework that we have as bankers mm. um, and in and, and, and years past and decades past and what that means or frankly doesn't mean for the next decade. Um, and then doing differently, I really spent a lot of time trying to equip our lines of business and internal stakeholders uh, with new capabilities, whether that's, you know, things like lab as a service um, or introductions to fintech solutions or, you know, working with connecting them with universities and evaluating new talent and, you know, evaluating new skills and building plans. And so a lot of collaboration. Um, and I'm also incubating a few business models with them to test. And so that's really exciting. Um, you know, new opportunities for revenue and growth for us. And, you know, frankly, that's um, something that, that I really enjoy as well. So are kind of the primary things I've been focused on in the first 11 months on this journey, but I'm having a blast. I love that. See, think, and do differently. You know, you, you mentioned being a, a soccer and a fishing family. My wife and I, we have four kids and we're a running family. Last night we had a uh, Monday mile meet at the school. Every, every month we go, the school hosts a running club uh, essentially. And my kids have always been top runners. And so I, I literally walked in the door last night. I said, when are we going to run a marathon? Uh, and, and my kids are 11, nine, seven, five. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But, but whenever we were running, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, it was with Peter Diamandis and, you know, big thinker himself. And one of the things he said, and I typed this down. He said, we don't know how to think other than we know how to think. Like, it, like yeah. I, it, we just, what we know is kind of what we know. And being 11 months into this role here, what have, have been some of your biggest wins that, that you've experienced? You touched on a few of them, but if you could maybe say, looking back over the last, you know, 11, 12 months, this is, this is what I feel really, really good about from, from this idea of innovation and helping others see, think, and do differently. Yeah. So, you know, one of the primary things that I care a lot about is um, meeting with teams and leaders and helping them evaluate areas of opportunity. Um, if you think about, you know, banking products traditionally over the last few decades, as you look over the next five to 10 years, fundamentally, those products will still be needed, right? Um, folks still need liquidity to, to build and grow their businesses. Um, they still need a place to put assets and to, you know, derive movement of those assets and, and kind of the tangential things that go around that. Right. Now, there will be other things that will come out of innovation and some of the trends we're seeing um, globally today in finance. But what I like to do is to kind of help them stop and think about if we look at just an example, whether that's a blockchain use case, say, how might we imagine utilizing this thing mm. to fundamentally change or remove roadblocks or remove friction or create create a competitive advantage. Um, so that's one area that I focus in on. Um, another one is uh, providing industry introductions. Um, we've put a lot of effort into, you know, building strong relationships with fintechs, um, with, with venture capital entities, with um, the education 
um, uh, centers in our, in our markets, whether that's universities or schools. And so I spent a lot of time in the community too. So making those connections and bringing those back in and then pushing those out yes. uh, for Synovus is, is a big part of what I do. What's, what's a, you know, a, what I would call a commonly held belief about innovation that others might have in the industry that you would disagree with? Because I see two sides of the, the coin here. Some are like pro innovation and others, they might, they might say, I'm, I believe in innovation, but then practically applied, it kind of just falls flat. So maybe what's a belief that you're seeing at a macro level that you would disagree with around innovation? I don't know if it's a belief so much as somewhat of a misconception, maybe. Um, I, I think a lot of times individuals confuse um, innovation with invention. Mm. Um, you know, invention, right? Edison with the light bulb. Their innovation principles he used, 10,000 plus, you know, just things that didn't work uh, is how he viewed it, right? Um, before he got to his final working prototype. Uh, but we don't have to invent a light bulb to drive value for our customers and for our shareholders and our team members. Right. Uh, and ultimately our industry, right? And so I, I think that um, there, there's a common, you know, um, misunderstanding there that you have to come up with something that's completely unique in order for it to be innovation. When in reality, you can look at a problem or an opportunity, um, whether it's disruptive, non-disruptive. And I focus, a lot of, I focus a lot of my time and efforts, particularly in the marketplace, looking at disruptive things and how we can take advantage of them and frankly, you know, avoid being disrupted. Um, and, and just based on current trends, there's going to be more opportunity there, right? Um, from that perspective. But how do we take this thing, if it's a problem or an opportunity, and maybe bolt something unique on the side of it, just small, like just change up a way that we deliver something or a way that we add a feature to it or the speed in which we do it or the economics behind it, right? There's, I mean, there's a whole pick list of ways that you can kind of think about this, but I would just say that one fundamental thing, invention is not innovation. That's a great, but, that's a great but point. But they both require a discipline. Yes. And, and that, that, that is the fundamental thing. That's where you actually build muscle on the bench press is the discipline part. That's a great point because because I see some challenges and maybe even internal conflict that bankers and financial brand leaders, they feel like they need to quote unquote, invent something new to where it's really taking something that's good, making it even better, taking it from good to great, optimizing, uh, improving. And so that's a really great distinction here for someone who's listening because I hear this all the time. Maybe it's themselves personally. Maybe it's it's some a coworker, a colleague. They're like, you know what, Matt? I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not that creative. I'm not that innovative. What what would you say to maybe once again help them think or help them see, think, and do differently? Because that's a construct that they've built in their own mind, right? Yeah. So let me say this: innovation is 100% teamwork, whether your team is five people or whether it's an executive team or whether it's an entire organization. Um, and so the first thing I would say is, if you don't think that you can get there, um, you know, from a starting point uh, on your own and formulating your thoughts and what you want to do, go find a couple people who care about that thing. And, you know, look for out-of-the-box thinkers, look for asymmetrical thinkers, Look for folks who challenge the status quo. 
Um, and then the second thing I would say is, and this is really important, this is leadership 101 stuff, but I think it, it kind of reinforces the question you're asking. Find something to read. I think you and I were talking just in the prep leading up to this that you love to read. I, I love to read less, but I do love to read as well. Um, read something every day and learn something from it that you didn't know the day before. And I think, you know, part of what um, I'm trying to do here at the bank, and I think it's really important, regardless of where you sit in the organization and what your role is, is to become familiar with everything around you as best you can. Mm. Because a lot of times I think the blinders that we get, at least, and I'll relate this into banking and finance, because that's the industry I sit in. Um, I think we try to look for innovation in terms of what can I do differently or better only in my industry. Right. And the reality of it is, is so much of what we can learn will come from others and others outside of the industry that we're in. So you could take a concept that's killing it. I'm just going to make up something in, you know, um, space exploration and apply it to finance. And although it may not be this massively innovative thing, they could have been doing it for 20 years in, you know, space exploration, but apply it to finance and it could be revolutionary. Yes. Right. And so, you know, again, back to the innovation, innovation versus invention, you don't have to come up with something that is unique in the history of the world in order to innovate, take ideas and concepts from others and apply them to your problems and opportunities. And I guarantee you, you'll come up with not only a primary list to focus on, but a backlog longer than you can get to in any reasonable amount of time. And if you do that and surround yourself with people who are kind of like what I described, um, you've got the basic ingredients of a really awesome innovation practice, I think. You know, I used to have a keynote back in the day called Look Outside to Grow Inside. And it was basically taking the top five to 10 innovative ideas that I was seeing outside of the industry and then bringing them back inside the industry with some practical application. And I like this idea, you've touched on this before, it's collaboration. You can't do this in a vacuum, you can't do this alone. How important is it to not just look inside for collaboration, but you mentioned the fintechs, you mentioned some of the universities, going outside of, of the common group and bringing others in, maybe even co-collaborating with customers like what does that look like in in practice maybe what are some of the methodologies that you're using to 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 put innovation into a practical sense yeah so i I start from a premise of everything that has the ability to great be be great is going to come from something beyond myself um and so you know I'm never going to be able to go into a room and come up with the best ideas. That, that's that's fundamental principle behind innovation. And so another one I would say is, you know, in addition to doing things and taking lots of reps with a team is to do just that, take lots of reps. Um, you know, you have this saying in agile methodology, you know, design and code development, um, deployment, you know, fail fast, fail forward. Well, that's true, whether you're being agile with a concept or agile with a practice or agile with code and deployment, it doesn't matter. The goal is to try something and, and, and iterate on it. And so you get it exactly where you want it to be. Yes. And obviously you want to do that with as least amount of cost, risk, and time as possible. And so I would say those two things are fundamental with regard to relationships. Look, you know, it's Synovus and I would say in finance in general, we're never going to build everything we need. 
there are brilliant minds in finance and technology that are out there that we can tap and build partnerships with. And we're already doing that, have done that, and we'll continue to do that. Um, that will help us power our business models and our strategy. And that's critical because it helps us do it at scale. Mm. It helps us do it in the best possible way. And it helps us to do it faster. Um, and so we don't want to you know, be a shop that builds everything ourselves. We will do that strategically. Um, but, but by and large, you know, our partnership appetite is significantly increasing um, for the reasons I just described. And with the um, evolution of technology and just the brilliance and application of technology in the areas of finance and in areas maybe beyond finance that we have interest in, that, that to me is just a win-win proposition. Partnerships are critical outside of your organization, both from an idea and kind of pulling in and discussing um, and, and coming up with a plan, but then execution and support, critical. Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at Nimbus.com. Right. And that's it's something that I've talked about many times before. Collaboration is far greater than competition. And the world that we're in now allows for collaboration in all types of different ways. Um, I would say even at scale, um, you don't necessarily have to even be in the same room, what kind of like we're doing here. I mean, I'm learning so much from from the conversation, and I hope the dear listeners as well. Someone's listening and they're like, Matt, I want to I want to bring this type of thinking into my financial brand, into my organization, maybe into my fintech. What looking back on just your own journey here, what's one thing that you might do differently knowing what you know today in hindsight? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question and a fun one for me to think about. For my own personal journey. I think, and I don't know if I could do it differently, maybe just aspirationally, I wish it was different. I wish I could have gotten to the point in my career, I'm roughly almost 20 years in financial services combo between tech product strategy and, and banking. And I, I would say, I wish I could have gotten to the point earlier where I realized that I have more passion around the things that I'm talking about with you now. Like I've found my role. This is the thing I want to do until I don't work anymore. And then beyond that, I want to teach in a classroom. That's a separate conversation. Um, but, but I, I think I, I would say, I, I wish I'd gotten to that point earlier where I knew that was where I really had a significant amount of passion. On the other hand, the experiences that I had, whether it was in IT or in a product role or strategy, whatever it was, they helped shape my yes. perspective and see the need for the thing that I'm describing and that we're talking about today all the more. So I'm, I'm not sure I would really change it. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, aspirationally, I wish I could have gotten there earlier. Um, you know, like I said, I'm 11 months in and 19, 20 years in the industry. And I, I've, I've learned so much in the perspectives that I bring to this role. And I, I'm a constant learner. Um, I, I try to learn every, every day, as I mentioned earlier. 
Um, but, but yeah, I think just aspirationally, I would say, I, I wish I had gotten to this point earlier because I absolutely love what I do. I see the intrinsic value in it. Um, and I think it's essential for any company, whether that's Synovus banking, non-banking, it doesn't matter. If you're not innovating, you're doing the opposite of innovating, which means you have just a period of time before your company or your idea ceases to exist. Mm. Um, and, and so I think it's fundamentally critical and I feel like I was made for this type of role. I, I'm I, like I said, before we hit record, I feel like, you know, we're kindred spirits here. Um, and you know, we, we born in a similar time, you and I are the bridge generation. We're the Xennial. We're not, you know, pure blood Gen Xers and we're not pure blood millennials. We kind of bridge the gap between the best of both worlds. If, if looking out at this idea of innovation, innovation could potentially be a double-edged sword to something you and I were talking about before we hit record. What might be some of the things we should be considering when thinking about innovation, not just for innovation's sake, but maybe for more of a either a philosophical or b ethical perspective, uh, that that maybe should be part of the practice of innovation. Yeah. So look, I'll give you a point in time viewpoint on this, um, just based on what we see in our industry, and you know what I would describe as the aspiring toward hyper digitization of products and services and interactions. I think that, um, you know, it's really important both organizationally and um, strategically within your industry and individually, frankly, if you're an executive or an individual contributor leading innovation in your company, it doesn't matter, whatever your role is, you have to know what is that North Star that you're going for? Um, what is that thing you're trying yes. to achieve? I know what it is for me. I know what it is for Synovus. We talk a lot about it, um, being a commercial bank here in the Southeastern United States and um, you know, I, I think that um, there's a real risk of in this, you know, period in which we find ourselves toward uh, running after digital solutions. And, and in some in some examples, even looking for problems to apply these solutions to, you could end up in a situation right. where, you know, you're, you're, you're skirting over ethical boundaries, um, you're having unintended implications for business models and, and, and customer uh, groups that you have or you're trying to acquire and reach. And so um, there are lots of examples we could talk about there. I would just say, know what your North Star is and, 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 and make sure that you individually in your organization are not just following whatever the industry is saying or dictating to us should be important. The, the flavor of the day, flavor of the year, that's really, really important. And then think about now that I know what my North Star is, how am I going to get there and what are some asymmetrical or non-traditional ways in my industry, whatever that is, to actually reach it? Then you'll know that you're kind of mostly staying out of these high-risk areas. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean that it's a perfect way of staying out of high-risk areas, but it at least gives you the ability to know, you know, I'm not just following the masses here. I'm actually getting into something for very specific reasons, and I'll know when I get there. Yes. Then you pivot and take an innovative approach to doing it. Great point about following the masses. I've I've always kind of poked fun at this in the banking industry. Uh, Twenty years myself, I see a lot of R and D when it comes to quote unquote innovation, and that's not research and development. That is rip off and duplicate. Um, it's looking at what someone else is doing. Um, 
and trying to apply that to my own situation. But I am unique. My organization is unique. It's not like other with there might be similarities and like we're, you know, siblings or close cousins, but following the masses, following the herd could, could take us down a very dangerous path. I think you mentioned before, take us over the cliff. What could be some safeguards that we put into place you mentioned the North Star. I would call that purpose, purpose being the center of what we teach, the digital growth blueprint that provides mm-hmm. us a filter or clarity, um, a litmus test. But what could be some safeguards to ensure that as an organization, as a team, we're staying the tried and true and we're not following the masses? Because it's easy. It's easy to look out and see what others are doing and get excited about that. But then... It, it, it might not lead to a to a positive place. What can we do to protect ourselves here? I would say a couple things. You know, first, think about with your team. Well, first of all, make sure that you're clearly connecting what you're doing, whether it's from a R&D being the research and development R&D, not yours. Um, <laughs> you know, make sure that, that what you're doing aligns to some component of your strategy, right? And then as you're iterating on those concepts, whether you're getting to, you know, beyond concept to MVP and then from MVP to commercialization, build in a couple of gates to, to ask questions like, you know, why would a customer use this? How would this improve our customer or our team members' lives? Um, will our shareholders applaud this? Mm. Will the industry frown on us if we do this? Uh, could we end up in ethical situations that we don't want to be in if we move forward in this area, right? There's a whole series of, you know, if you think beyond like the project gates of just getting stuff done and risks and all of that kind of stuff, think about the business model gates. Um, and it really is not as simple as, are we going to make, are we going to make money? Is there an ROI? Can I, can I NPV this? Um, it, it truly has to be thinking about it from a human perspective, thinking about it from a societal perspective. I mean, Look at everything that's going on in society, like society values things that improve their lives, right? Um, and, and, and everybody has a different view on what that can be. So asking those kind of questions, especially if you're really off in greenfield areas, right? Whether that's in finance or, you know, doesn't matter, pick your industry, having those kind of questions built in and discussing that as your team and then putting it on paper so that you know exactly why you're doing it what the value to the organization is, what the expected outcomes are, and frankly, what some of those risks could be. And when you're in these new areas, you may not always know what those risks are, but if you have general ways to kind of prod kind of the categories I'm talking about, and there are others I didn't mention, um, and prod some discussion around, I think that can be really helpful um, to, to think about as a group. You, you, you mentioned Greenfield, Blue Sky. I'm you want, you want to go down a rabbit hole with me? I think this, this sure. might, might be a little bit fun. Yeah. Can I say no? I don't think I can. So let's do it. Well, you can say no. That's why, that's why, that's why I always ask permission. Um, because if no, you know, let's do it. And we were talking about this before, because I think this is like the next big thing. I just don't know what the thing is or how to articulate it, or I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it and, and, and create a, a point of view, but the metaverse, I mean, it's been in the news, you know, I think right now it's a lot of marketing hype, um, I think people are still trying to figure out what it is. Uh, but I'm also having to check my own biases at the door with this, because if I go back in my mind, we're similar age, 
you know, let's just take year 2000 as a as a point in time, the internet was just starting to reach a precipice. Maybe the metaverse, this whole idea of web 3.0 was like maybe 1995, 96. But at that time in, in year 2000, I was uh, 18, 1920, I just saw so much opportunity with the internet. I, you know, but in, in, is, is me being the 40 year old I am now, creating a limitation in my own mind of what the metaverse could be based upon my own experiences. Like I mean, you even referenced that, like your experiences that got you to this point, you would probably would change anything. So I'm having to check a lot of my biases at the door and look at this as objectively as I can. What's your take on this? Like, how do we process this kind of next level of thinking? Because you mentioned we're trying to help people see things differently, think about things differently so that we can do things differently. I'm having the same conversations in my mind. What's your take on this? Blue sky. So metaverse, I I mentioned to you kind of in just our introductory conversation before we started recording, it's something that Honestly, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. Um, I I think that there are very real drivers to whether it's that or, um, um, you know, distributed finance or, you know, pick something that's an emerging trend. There are real drivers behind that that are human behavior oriented. Yes. Um, And so, you know, without getting into all of the minutia of what some of those things may be, I guess I would just say in general, um, from my perspective, kind of leading an innovation charge within a bank, I, I, I worry about things like, um, you know, what, what does that mean for um, you know, the ability to interact with, with people and, and, and the humanization mm-hmm. that we have known in, in, in person or frankly, even virtual, like I can see you on the screen right now. Right. Um, you know, uh, scenarios for the history of the world. Yes. Um, and so I, I worry about, you know, in finance, what happens when you take that away? Right. Would you, would you make different decisions with your money? What, what, what happens to yes. altruism with economics? What happens to um, caring for those in need in our communities? It, you know, it, it's a company that's grown through acquisition of, scores of community banks over, you know, 130 something years, that that's important to us. Like we care a lot about our communities and about caring for those who are underserved and, 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 and who need help economically and societally. And um, so I, I, I worry about that. I worry about, um, you know, what all of a sudden, you know, do we find ourselves at a point where maybe um, society fundamentally looks very different uh, and that goes beyond like just the the obvious kind of things that can happen. You know, the, the more near term uh, right. dangers I mentioned. I had a friend who um, got an Oculus for uh, his son, and he he got worn out during a game and forgot he was in a virtual setting and went to lean up against a table or something like that that was on his session that didn't exist in his in his room, and he fell face first and mm. hurt himself in 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 their living room. We you know, he was fine. We all laughed about it, but. The reality of it is if you get, you know, two, three, five, 10 generations removed and that becomes mainstream, what does that mean for us, not only as humans, but for our industry? And so there's a lot of questions and things I'm touching on that I don't have answers for, just kind of giving you some ideas about things that that worry me in that area. Um, on the other hand, does the technology have 
um, the ability to really improve our industry and our companies and in society. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about learning in a virtual environment and, and other applications. Um, but I, yeah, I just, I don't know that this, this whole idea of the ethereal, um, the things I can't touch and see this, this digital twin and I'm throwing out kind of tangential things here, but um, I don't know. I have a lot of questions and a lot of concerns. I, you know, and I think what we're doing right now, it's dialogue it's discourse. And I think it's through the dialogue, it's through the discourse. We might not have the answers individually, but it's through the dialogue, it's through the discourse, it's through the open conversation that maybe we can arrive at that answer. But I think if anything, my personal takeaway is trying to just keep an open mind and not let my own preconceived notions or bias shut something down because if I go back and I think, you know, the progress of the last 20 years, what has been made, but it, 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 it must come back to the central theme thesis purpose, North star. This is about people. This is about humanity. And if we can always remember that, I think we're going to probably be in a good place, but if we, if we lose the conversation to just technology for technology's sake, we, we, we could, it it could, it could, like you, you talked about before, it could take us down a path that we might not want to go down. And so when it comes to innovation, you know, human centered growth, human centered design, keeping people, human beings, your, your customers, your community, your employees, your team members, all at the central core and thesis. What's your take on that? I mean, is that kind of what we're all working towards here? Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I think, um, you know, the, the other thing, going back to an earlier question you asked, but it's related to this, you know, in addition to knowing what the North Star, like, why do we exist? Mm. And by we, I mean, like, whatever the person is in the role that, that they're thinking about, or the leadership team, or the company, or whatever the case is, know why you exist, right? Um, you know, for us as a as a commercial bank uh, in in the southeastern United States, you know, we we value um, things like trust and you know personalization, you know, speediness to 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 responding to needs, um, you know, reliability, knowledge, and expertise. Like so you can take some of these things that we're talking about that have tremendous value and benefit to our organizations and our business models and our companies and how you apply them and in how you oversee and monitor and control them. Right. They can help you get to what you're trying to solve for. Um, And so I think knowing why you exist, knowing who you're trying to serve and why can kind of provide some, some guardrails and some of these things we're talking about um, as technology and and, the concept of, meta um the metaverse you know um expands in the industry and what those implications will be for us um there are guardrails there and so you you mentioned having an open mind that's really important but remember when you're dealing with human beings there have to be guardrails yes right yeah i mean there's lots of them it's like we all value things right we all have different perspectives and the uniqueness and, and the diversity that comes from that the human touch element whether that's physical or virtual right that they're just these things that have to be there right? Um, fundamentally. And those are some of the things back to the question you asked. It's like, well, how do you really do that in a fully virtual setting? Right. You know, like I'll, I'll say this, a lot of us are just now starting to get around to getting into group settings again after the pandemic. It's like 
it's like holding your breath as a kid for two minutes underwater and like coming up for the first time. Like after that, it's like the next 30 seconds is both this, you know, moment of panic and like ultra joy, right? Because you're, you're like breathing oxygen for the first time in what felt like years. And the reality is like, if you look at the calendar, like we're almost two years removed from us being fully virtual from each other worldwide. And so you, you start getting into these in-person settings, carefully mask without masks, what, whatever the case is, but I speak for myself and I see it in others. It's like, wow, like we love interacting with each other. Yes. We like being around each other. And back to the very first thing we talked about, like innovation requires team and collaboration. I just, I don't know how that happens when you're, when you're in, you know, some of the scenarios that we just talked about. So um, yeah, I, I, I fully agree. And, and lots of questions and have those guardrails, know where your North star is, know why you exist, why you're using this thing. What, what problem are you trying to solve? Are you just taking a, a shiny object and trying to find a problem to solve? Cause that's probably a recipe for either spending money you don't need to, or causing problems you didn't need in the first place. Very true. Um, and so, yeah, I, Lots more we could say there, but that's how I would think about it. Man, you've given us so much to think about. You've helped you've helped me see see things a little bit differently. Uh, you've you've and I think when you start seeing things differently, your 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 thinking will ultimately transform, which will then inform your actions and your doing on that next step. So I appreciate this. I appreciate the conversation, the dialogue, the discourse with you today, Mac. Um, if 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 someone's listening. Matt, they want to continue the conversation. Uh, they want to reach out, connect with you, say hello. What's the best way for them to do that? Just reach out on LinkedIn, probably the best way. Um, Matthew Maxey um, on LinkedIn, happy to uh, to talk to them. And look, I, I guess one exhortation I would leave with your audience is to say, innovation can be intimidating. Mm. Don't let it be. Make it very intentionally simple. Yes, Think differently, see differently, do differently. That's 80% of the discipline. Yes. Um, So find people who you can innovate with. And if I can ever be of help, look me up and let's connect. Man, I appreciate that. I know the, the, the dear listener does as well. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.